Today's episode contains explicit language and conversations around sex, human anatomy, menstruation, and personal experiences. We advise that you don't listen to this in the company of little ones or anyone who may be uncomfortable with these topics. Hey, sugars, come on in and take a seat. You're listening to The Honey Potluck, a podcast about sex, health, and thriving. I'm your host, B. Dixon, co-founder and CEO of The Honey Pot Company. And I'm your other host, Javon Alfieri, The Honey Pot's director of digital. Ooh, now let's dig in. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the episode of the commercialization of wellness. Look, so this week we are talking to Dr. Naika, and I'm super excited to talk to her. But Gigi, how you doing? Hey, I'm great. I like that we get to keep talking about wellness, if I'm being honest. I didn't realize that I would be so excited to to continue this thread, but also to like be angry and passionate about the fact that this is... Um, even a conversation worth having. (laughs) But you know, what I think is so powerful and the reason why we invited Dr. Naika into this environment is because she is such a dynamic, a naturopath, a functional doctor, an herbalist. Um, And I thought that she was able to articulate her journey to naturopathy in one of the most amazing ways that I had ever heard. And I'm eager for our listeners to understand that sometimes there are things in your life that happen because there are merely resonances in your heart, in your spirit, and your physical world starts to adapt to that. And again, you know, when we talk about wellness, I'm not trying to immediately inject, if you will, spirituality, but you can't negate that being well means being in your body, which means being an energetic force, which means having some kind of spiritual layer, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm really eager for us to continue to make these assumptions and builds between the physical world, how we treat our bodies, how we treat our mind, and the spiritual world in terms of how we think about ourselves, those abstract things that actually influence us, right? So B, I would love to hear like, what is your definition of wellness? Wellness for me is funny because if, you know, it, it just constantly changes. Yeah. You know, at this point in my life, wellness for me begins at looking at how I speak, how I talk, what I give energy to, wanting to not come from a place of like stress and not making it a thing. Like it doesn't have to be a thing. I live on airplanes. (laughs) You know this. I do. It used to be a source of stress for me, but like I can't be stressed about it because I have to do it. Right. And so trying to switch the energy and the vibration around thinking about it in a negative way when it's something that is a constant in my life. You know, I take supplements, but I was taking supplements out of fear because I was worried that there was something wrong with my body. In my instance, I was doing it out of a place of fear. And I needed to really switch that. I used to say that work was stressful I can't say work is stressful. Like, I don't, I want to be in a place where I don't think anything is stressful. Like, I love that. 
when I ask the question myself, of course, my brain starts to like also wander down the rabbit hole of what does wellness mean to me? And I was going to ask you that. Yeah, it's funny because you actually read my mind but said it very differently. And I don't know if I'll do as great of a job of articulating it, but separation Like, there's something about separating from reality in a weird way and, like, having that 30,000-foot view of yourself Mm -hmm. as an entity and what do you need to be well, right? So it's like, thankfully, I have the basics. I have a very beautiful home. I have access to clean water and good food. And then it's like the concentric circles start to develop. Like, what does Giovanna love, (laughs) where does she want to spend her energy? What is, like, how does she feel? And it's almost like then when you start thinking about those things and you're able to define them and see them in relationship with each other, that you're building your own map towards wellness. And that, to your point, if one day you don't take the damn supplements, it doesn't all just deconstruct from that point. Like, it doesn't, it's not all demolished merely because you took one misstep or ate an extra slice of pizza or like whatever that is because again from that 30,000 foot view like you're well like you're safe exactly cool and with that said it's now time for us to get into this amazing conversation with Dr. Naika I am so excited to introduce our guest today Dr. Naika she is a naturopathic practitioner an acupuncturist and herbalist with a global practice based in Brooklyn, New York. As a holistic healer, she aims to guide her clients towards their happiest, freest, and fullest selves. Please enjoy the final part of our series on the commercialization of wellness with Dr. Naika. We are going to talk about wellness today, healing modalities, all of that good stuff. So I would love to jump into it. Um, Dr. Naika, if you could please introduce yourself to our listeners, that would be amazing. Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Naika. I am a New York-based naturopathic practitioner, acupuncturist, and herbalist. I love what I do. I have a mindfulness-centered and whole person-centered approach to integrative healthcare. And I believe that healing is all about the integration of mind, body, and spirit. Dr. Naika, can you just maybe walk us through your journey and and how you landed on um, naturopathy and kind of your general path to medicine? Absolutely. It's it's been exactly that, a journey, a beautiful journey filled with plot twists and unexpected turns. I always identified as a healer. The story goes, apparently, I don't remember this, but apparently I was four and I called my parents in for a meeting and I was like, I am going to be a doctor. And that was just the end of that. Like I've always known that healing was my path. And as I matured, I actually found out that, you know, it runs in my family, not just with my parents. My dad um, was a pulmonologist. My mom used to be a pharmacist. My paternal grandma was an army nurse. And my maternal grandma read an apothecary in Haiti. So it definitely, you know, runs in my in my veins and in my spirit. So it's cool to have that background knowledge as well. But growing up, I only thought I could be, you know, an MD or you know, maybe a chiropractor or an osteopath, I didn't know that there was such a wide range of healing options that I could pursue. So I went down the traditional path, 
I studied anthropology in college, which is all about the study of culture. And it's there that I really fell in love with um, more of a holistic lifestyle, but I still didn't know that I could turn it into the profession that I have today. So I took a gap year in between college and med school and was applying for med school, you know, taking the MCAT, got into schools, et cetera. But to be honest, it just never felt like it 100% resonated. It just didn't quite mirror my lifestyle and the ways that, you know, I had discovered to take care of myself. So one day, I'm like hanging out in bed on an off day. I'm watching um, this show on a network called Varia. And this person who would actually end up being the dean of my program hops on camera and she's like, you know, I'm a naturopathic doctor. I focus on nutrition, lifestyle interventions, you know, counseling, herbal medicine, uh, craniosacral therapy, et cetera, et cetera. And I promise you, I felt this deep resonance in my heart and in my spirit. I always explain it to people. It's like that moment when you know you've fallen in love or when you know that this is, you know, the direction that you should take or the person you should be with, whatever it is for you, that feeling that you just can't deny. So I found my program, I applied to my top program, got in. And honestly, the rest, the rest is history. It's it's felt right from the very beginning, despite all of the doubts and maybe misconceptions out there in the public, I just decided to follow my heart. And you know what? I said to myself, what would the Naika 10 to 20 years from now, or how would the Naika 10 to 20 years from now feel about the Naika of today? Would she be proud of you for following your heart? Or would she maybe be a little disappointed that you took the safe route and did something that didn't feel 100% resonant? And I was like, you know what? Say less. I know which route I'm going to go. It's beautiful when you can be in a place to be like, you know what? This isn't popular. I get it. But F it. I'm going to go for it. Let's go. Yep. You know? So maybe we kind of start marching towards that, you know, because I think that you hinted at what wellness means to you in, insofar as it's this integrated thing, right? It's mind, body, and soul. But I would love for you to kind of expound upon that and maybe even touch on how that differs from definitions that are circulating. Yes, absolutely. So to me, wellness is about prioritizing your health, your peace, and your happiness. It's about living in integrity with the needs of your mind, your body, and your spirit. And I think it's about doing all of that in a way that is as accessible as possible to you so that it could seamlessly integrate into your daily lived experience. And I think how that's different from you know the definitions that are circulating is that Wellness isn't a commodity. It's not something that you buy. It isn't a trend. It isn't a luxury. It's a lifestyle. It's a commitment. It's a promise that you keep to yourself because you are inherently worthy of it. You know, our health is our birthright. So that's what wellness means to me. I guess the question for me becomes, it is a birthright. However, there are so many constraints that reality has for any number of humans, any number of communities. So how do we work on deconstructing those limitations? And what does it mean to provide access to wellness in a real way? Yeah, so I feel like you come to a healer to support you on your healing path and to kind of help activate the healer that lives inside of you. So 
you come to me for support and for expertise and for the spaces that you might feel stuck and need extra guidance. But I see my role as helping to support and activate you and who you already are deep down inside. So when it comes to the accessibility of wellness, I think first and foremost, everyone needs to explore all of the free resources that are out there. And that goes back to not just thinking about wellness as a commodity or something that you buy. It's also about, you know, meditation. There are tons of free meditations out there. Um, It's about education. There are so many amazing courses and lectures and talks out there that you could listen to, um, social media pages where you could get information for free. And so what I recommend people do is you know, to take the bits and pieces of all of these resources that resonate with them the most and find ways to implement all of that into your lifestyle. And then little by little, you build your wellness toolkit and you'll be able to see that you're your own best healer. And then, you know, in case you feel stuck or you need some extra support, that's when you would come and find me, you know, or other practitioners out there. Um, one issue with holistic healing just something that I really hope will change over the next you know, decade or so is that it's mostly cash based. And so mm-hmm. um, accessing services like mine, you know, can feel really difficult for folks who you know, might not have disposable income. And so I'm hoping that that's something that will shift. But various providers out there, you know, will work pro bono or will have sliding scale. Or in my case, I offer something like community acupuncture or community craniosacral, where the services are at, you know, a steep fraction of the price, you know, in an an attempt to make things more accessible. So I say to folks, recognize your sovereignty, recognize your worth, you know, pay attention and be creative about, you know, the tools and the information that you, you know, attempt to access and just like build, build, build your toolkit and just know that it's possible. Um, It might not look like a couple hundred dollars worth of a session with a holistic healer, but you could still access healing and wellness in other ways. You just maybe have to be a bit more creative about it. But what are some of the ways for a human to recondition themselves you know, because you're going to pay for it either way. But how do you recondition, help to recondition the minds of the humans that come to see you, especially those that are on the fence? Mm-hmm. I think it starts with, it's a conversation about identity and, and self-worth and a level deeper is maybe challenging the norms that your family and, you know, society might have provided you with, you know, around what what you're worthy of and and even like what is a priority for you. So that's one level. I think the other level is to reprioritize your life. It's easy to prioritize, you know, clothes or that daily coffee. But I think everyone needs to ask themselves, what is the price of your health and your sense of well-being and your peace? And how can you prioritize that? Like you'd prioritize other things. And then what steps can you take to reprioritize and shuffle your lifestyle and your finances to make space um, to be able to invest in your health and wellness? So, And then I wanted you to explain what craniosacral work is and what acupuncture is, because not everybody knows what that is. 
So craniosacral is sort of similar to Reiki in case the audience might be more familiar with Reiki, which is a Japanese um, form of energetic healing. It works to heal the energetic body by placing the hands on various energetic centers. So craniosacral is something that was created you know, many, many, many years ago by um, chiropractors and osteopathic doctors. And basically, it's this idea that you could attune your hands to the craniosacral fluid that runs through the nervous system. So that's your brain and your spinal cord. So if you're properly attuned to those rhythms, you know, as a practitioner, you could feel the spaces in your client where that flow is out of balance and with intention, you could help to rebalance that. So that's more of like the energetic perspective. Sometimes I like to really bring it back to the physical body. So most people come in for craniosacral for um, headaches, usually migraines or insomnia or neck tension and shoulder tension or even some back pain. And craniosacral could work really beautifully with acupuncture. So acupuncture is a traditional system of Chinese medicine that basically works to balance out the qi. The qi, according to ancient Chinese medicine, is the building block of the universe. It's that uh, life force that's inside every person, you know, the plants, nature, etc. And when the body is out of balance, so let's say there's some disease or maybe some inflammation, it's because the chi um, is out of balance. So using very fine sterile needles, you know, thoughtfully placed along the meridians or energy channels of the body, we as acupuncturists help to balance out that chi and to help people feel better. I think what would be helpful, Dr. Naika, maybe, and, and I don't know if this is a reasonable question, you can tell me or not, but it's like maybe defining where to start with mind, body, and soul, because it takes a long time to interconnect those things totally. <laughs> and know the relationship between them. Yeah, I think it's it's a journey. Uh, wellness is a journey, not a destination, as cliche and corny as that sounds. And yeah, it's absolutely about making it your own and figuring out, you know, what resonates with you, what fits in your lifestyle, and really paying attention to the results. So in terms of where to start, I really recommend body awareness. So really focusing on when your mind starts to ruminate, and maybe when you start to feel really disconnected from your body, it might be helpful to make a mental note of that. And then you'd be like, oh, that's what triggers me. And the next step would be, okay, where's that trigger coming from? And then the next step will be, I think, where wellness starts, which is what should I do about it? But really, we need to focus on the noticing first. So I think um, doing things like body scans or paying attention to your recurring thoughts is a fantastic place to start. And journaling, I think, is really simple, whether that looks like, you know, a traditional notebook or just using, you know, the notes app on your phone, like really paying attention to your thoughts and the patterns and the cycles, what triggers you, when does it trigger you and why, and then eventually you could figure out what you want to do about it. So I feel like that's a really good start. Um, in case all of this sounds overwhelming, just like use the technology that's at your disposal, like put an alarm on your phone or like a little reminder. And it could be as simple as like check in, you know, at 12 p.m., check in at 3 p.m., just check in a few times in your day. And I feel like if you're somebody who's not used to doing that, that in and of itself could be mind blowing for you. So I would say those would be the best places to start. Think about recurring thoughts, 
what are the patterns and trends, um, focusing on body awareness, maybe, you know, what tension do you feel, where, when, why, and then eventually you could figure out what you want to do about it. I used to listen to Pema Children's learning to stay present yes. every single day, mm. you know, being aware, being like in the here and now, you know, of having this awareness of what of, of yourself. The key to that is not judging yourself. Yes. Whatever comes, just let it come. Whatever thought comes in, you just let it come in. You don't judge it. Don't make it wrong or right. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you're doing that acceptance, when you're doing that, you know, because that's, to me, in my opinion, I completely agree with both of you, but that's one of the bigger, most important parts of healing is understanding where you are yeah. right now. I'm curious to know, because my toolkit as of late has gotten to be insane, but I like it. Yeah. It's really good. It's getting really good. But I want to know what your toolkit is. Ooh, yeah. I'm happy to share. And yes, I just want to you know affirm everything that you said because it resonated with me so deeply because I'm a student as well. You know, I feel like people will look to me as an expert and I understand that I have expertise, but I'm a student of life, you know, just like everyone else. And so that really resonated with me. My toolkit is massive and I am a, (laughs) I'm a routine person. I don't know if anyone listening is into astrology. I love astrology and personally use it as a tool. Tell us the breakdown, Dr. Naika. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you got to tell us your sign. (laughs) Give us all of the details, please. It's been such a beautiful journey. I thought at first that astrology was, you know, just about horoscopes. And then I realized that there's like a deep psychology and even a spirituality to it. Um, And so for me, I'm a double Virgo, Virgo sun, Virgo moon, um, and an Aries rising. Thank you. So as a Virgo, I do love routine so much. It just helps keep me focused and organized and kind of gives context to what I'm doing. And so my morning routine is first thing I do when I wake up is, you know, drink water, take a few deep breaths, really settle into the day. Then I listen to some sort of positive talk. Right now, I'm working my way through um, the amazing Marianne Williamson's A Course in Miracles, but she has this daily um, sort of wisdom teaching practice. It's like 10 minutes or less of um, wisdom that she shares, and it just helps uh, kind of broaden my worldview and, and my perspective. And it's, it's just been really beautiful for my day to kind of hear from somebody else and to learn from them. Um, I might do like another high vibe, you know, positive um, talk thing, like maybe like on YouTube or on SoundCloud. Again, there's so many free resources out there for anybody who's listening. So that's step one. Then I'll dive into my journaling practice. Sometimes it's as little as five minutes. Sometimes it's as extensive as 30 minutes, just kind of depends on my day, my needs, what I feel like I need to process. So that's my morning routine. Evening routine is all about kind of cleansing and releasing the day. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people struggle with. I don't know if anyone listening can resonate with that, especially with the whole work from home culture that I think most of us are in right now. Like sometimes it's hard to separate the end of your work day from the beginning of, you know, you time or family time. And so for me, it could be, oh, first of all, I wash my hands when I leave my office and when I enter my home. Um, Sometimes I'll just like jump in the shower or bath right away. Um, Sometimes I will burn 
some sort of plant material. Um, it could be sage, which I know is very trendy, um, but there are other plant materials that you could burn that might even be pertinent to your culture or your lineage. So that's a part of my practice. And then after, you know, eating and, you know, spending quality time with the people around me, I will brew an herbal tea. I love that I have like a little apothecary in my home. And while my tea is brewing, I will journal, you know, key moments of the day, things that I'm grateful for. And then another pro tip I have for people listening, I tell my patients this all the time, if you have anything that's pressing in your mind or any worries that can be tackled the next day, use your journal to write all of those down. Like it's so important to move the energy that, you know, thoughts take up in your head and just like put them mm-hmm. on paper. It helps to externalize all of that energy that does not need to be in your head, especially right before you sleep. So yeah, that's my nighttime routine. And then being that you're an acupuncturist and a naturopath, I would assume that you get your own acupuncture, that you, because it's really important to do these things if you serve these things. Yes, totally. I love that you brought that up. I love getting healing services, not only because they, you know, help me on my own healing journey, but also getting to support other healers. And probably most importantly is learning from them because I really do identify as a forever student of life and of my craft. Like the learning never ends. And yeah, I I try and keep up with my health as much as possible because it's important that I practice what I preach. And I feel like a lot of healers out there, we're such like giving and nurturing people. It's so important that we give ourselves that nurturing and healing too, because, you know, we deserve it. So I think this is a healthy segue because you mentioned anthropology. We're talking about, you know, broad reaching modalities, um, some that are part of our toolkit, some that are kind of situational and needed. But I think one thing that's very important to BNI is that we acknowledge that many of these practices and um, herbal remedies, storytelling, you know, energy transfers, et cetera, are very much embedded in the Black community and Black experience and history. And so I would love to hear your thoughts and feelings around perhaps the minimization of that, what it means to reclaim that, or, you know, the whitewashing of many of these techniques over over time. And I suppose, you know, I want to further punctuate the fact, given the nature of, you know, you studying ancient Chinese healing modalities, that it's also, if we want to open up the aperture to, you know, communities, marginalized communities in general, we can do that as well. But I think that there's two narratives, probably a personal one and then a professional one as well. Yeah, I think what's happening in this world is that wellness is commodified just like anything else. And I think that a lot of um, brands or institutions want to make wellness as profitable and trendy as possible. And so that looks like putting a certain face or a certain body, using certain language, you know, to communicate what wellness is to folks. And I think as an anthropologist, it's so important to me to really focus on cultural integrity and historic accuracy. And I feel that brands and institutions, companies can do a better job of honoring where a lot of these wellness practices came from by, you know, starting with education and being honest about where these practices come from and really moving beyond this idea that, again, wellness is a good or it's something that you buy or have to buy into. It's actually rooted in something really beautiful and deep 
and ancient, and it comes from very specific places all over the world, but it, it just didn't kind of appear out of nowhere. Um, so right. I think that's super important. And so earlier when I was sharing about my journey, I forgot to add one important bit, which is that in between college and um, starting naturopathic med school, I started a blog and the blog was all about my culture's healing practices. So Haitian herbs, um, Haitian baths and wellness practices that I grew up with and that I used all the time. And it's actually in reconnecting to that and diving deeper into that, that gave me a bit more of that confidence and empowerment to pivot and to choose naturopathic medicine and more holistic healing modalities because that's what I've always practiced. So for me, it, it just feels so natural and so intertwined. But in answering this question, I'm realizing how much of a blessing it is to have these practices that I've grown up with. So yeah, I, I, I've never done anything else than, than what I've done. And I've always been able to honor my culture's healing practices because that's just how I grew up. How are you able to integrate those Haitian healing modalities into your work? Or are you able to now? Or what does that look like? Oh, I love that question. So one really cool thing is that when I got deeper into my naturopathic program, I revisited my blog because I definitely didn't have time for it during my first couple of years of school. (laughs) But I found a lot of peace and power and beauty and inspiration in kind of blending the two worlds of Western science and my cultural um, healing practices. And so my master's thesis in acupuncture was actually about Haitian castor oil that Haitians believe basically cures everything. And so my thesis was all about like, where did this come from? And what is the tie between the traditional healing practice and science and the results were incredible. And so castor oil, um, which is something I learned about in med school is a really powerful anti-inflammatory. And it's something that we were taught to use um, in hydrotherapy. I went to Germany. Um, I studied at the Kneipp Institution where I learned about how to use the healing power of water and castor oil is sometimes infused um, as an anti-inflammatory. So to help with pain and what have you. And so again, it was like this natural, um, my world's just like collided naturally. So it's like I had this cultural healing practice that I grew up with my entire life. And now I understood the science behind it, or at least the Western science, because I think there are so many different types of science, including indigenous science and technology, but it was like this blending of worlds for me. So to bring it back to how I incorporated into my practice, even though I don't offer any sort of, you know, Haitian traditional packages or what have you, I feel like because I move with such intention and, and knowledge and awareness of how these things are intertwined, I'm able to use them seamlessly. So I might not say, you know, this is going to be like a Haitian um, poultice, which is the application of like an herbal um, remedy to the skin. Mm -hmm. But I might say, you know, do such and such practice. And if the person in front of me happens to be Haitian, which happens a lot, because a lot of my patients are Haitian, I'll be like, you know, that castor oil that you have in your cabinet, like, did you know that you could use it for such and such reason? And this is the reason why, like, according to Western science, and like, it's so cool to see the light bulbs, you know, go off and people like, oh my gosh, like, that's so cool. So it's not so much that I think that we need our practices to be validated by Western science. I think because we're in the Mm -hmm. age of integration, it is really cool to know that there is that intersection naturally. Dr. Naika, 
I just want to tell you I love you. And Gigi, I love you. I love you. I love you all so much, love. This was so fun. We love you. Thank you so much. We do. We do. Thank you. Stay blessed. Wow, that was an amazing conversation with Dr. Naika. I love spending time with her. I love how she thinks. I really love how she makes it simple, which actually makes me very happy because that means that she's investing in the cause of wellness from a beautiful place. I love the conversation. Gigi, what was your thoughts? What was your biggest takeaway? Yeah, I agree. I think that the simplification of this whole experience, this development of the lifestyle is really, really important. And I love that the this conversation is holistic, which is what we've been trying to underscore this whole time, is that in order to empower your own wellness, it has to be representative of all facets of you and all facets of being a human. I hope that that's being felt by our listeners and that you receive that message of, you know, there's an arc and there are these various things on the spectrum. And and I think that one of the hardest things about being a human is identity and self-worth. So really being able to drill into who am I? And it's not the what's wrong with me or what's fantastic about me. It's the authentic who am I question that can ultimately take so many twists and turns and is not unilateral or whatever the word is, right? Mm -hmm. It's very dimensional and it can take different shapes based on the day, based on the year based on, you know, something we spoke about be previously like external inputs, internal inputs. And so I think that prioritization is really important. And I think that making space as a however cliche or commercialized <laughs> that saying itself has become, but I think that that is really the truest takeaway here. And that that empowers your energy and that empowers your energetic centers to be receptive and healthy and positive expressions of you. And so I hope that this conversation on the commercialization of wellness punctuated how absolutely insane it is to think that there is some kind of exclusive club around wellness Mm -hmm. and that we can reclaim this and that this is ours for the taking. And if you want it, it's there. And I truly, truly, truly hope from the depths of my soul that you are prioritizing yourself and that you can maybe even work with those around you, partners, children, or whatever, to ask them to give you space or to co-create space with you. Um, And that would be just really my deepest hope from, from this episode is understanding the cultural and shameful nuances of it whilst reclaiming it for yourself. Yes, because naturally you are holistic. Naturally you are organic. Naturally you are a beautiful being, whether you want that to be spiritual or religious or not. And, you know, you just said something really beautiful and I just wanted to end it with, naturally all that we have to do is just be. Just be here right now. That within itself is meditation. That within itself is mindfulness. That within itself is like, like you just said, taking space. So thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, Gigi. Thank you for all the ears. And thank you, Dr. Naika. Thank you, Lauren Solomon. We love you. I love you, Gigi. Gigi.
Thanks for listening to The Honey Potluck, a podcast by The Honey Pot Company made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, B. Dixon. And I'm your co-host, Javon Alfieri. We're so grateful to have you here. We love you. Mean it. Thoughts and experiences recounted in this episode are hosts' own. Our producers are Alana Herlands and Nathan Tower. Laura Boyman is our associate producer. Sydney Evans is our dialogue editor and mixer. A major thank you to everyone who makes this podcast possible. 